You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's episode is with Ariana and the Rose. This marks Ariana's second appearance on the podcast, and it's truly great to have her back. On this episode, we're going into our event series, Light and Space. It actually feels a bit silly to say event because it really is more of an experience than anything else. I got to attend the first of her trilogy of events happening at Brooklyn's House of Yes. Prior to going, I had seen photos and video, but I was still left awestruck at what I actually experienced. The atmosphere was free and pure, liberating and kinetic. There was dancing, smoke, sweat, and lots and lots of glitter. But honestly, using all these words doesn't paint the true picture. And it's why I'm really excited for you to hear Aaron talk about it, because naturally the creator can only, I don't know, give justice to their art. Within this talk, we go into how Light and Space came to be and how it's been for Ariana to curate such a one-of-a-kind experience. This is the 405 Exchange with Ariana and the Rose. Enjoy. So, I didn't have the chance to tell you this, but... Light in Space was fucking sick. Thank you. Like, really fucking sick. And it's funny because I shot the rehearsals last year, and even with that and what I saw going on there, I still had no idea what to expect going into Light in Space. And going into it, like, a couple weeks back, it just transcended any expectations I had. What is it like Thank for you. you seeing that come to life? Uh, the show... The show is... The way that we do the show now is the way that I had imagined the show when I sort of dreamt the idea up. Uh, so the f- very first time we did it to this size in November, I was like truly terrified, yeah. which is funny because I, I I feel like those are, you hear people talk about things like this where they're like, I did I did this thing and I knew that it was so scary, so I knew I had to do it. And, yeah. and I sort of didn't realize the size of the idea until we really started to do it. Because we had done sort of smaller versions of it, testing it out. We did it in the UK first, um, in like a like a smaller space with a not as much going on. And I, I think that I kept, it was really funny the first time we did the show, I kept waiting to be nervous once you go on. Cause I'm the, I mean, I, I'm the, I created the concept for the show and I'm the creative director for the show, yeah. but I work with a really amazing team who helped me bring the show together. And so doing it that very first time, I think it was it was sort of all of us had been working on this concept and we didn't know how it was gonna, you don't know how exactly it's gonna come to life. So I kept waiting to be nervous to start singing because it's like you make it. And then once I realized, okay, we've made it, everyone's here, <laughs> like you know what's happening. Okay, the room's full, right? Because every t- it's like every time you sort of finish one piece of it, then you're like, okay, now, oh my God, we made the show. Now you have to people come to the show. So once I realized all of that was happening, yeah. I was like, oh my God, I have to sing the show. <laughs> I have to do the show. I'm in the show. So I kept waiting to be nervous and it was this weird thing where I got up to sing and I feel like this every time, but the very first time it really was like surprising to me. But I got on the, I sort of stand in the center platform to start yeah. my part of the show. and. I just kept waiting to be nervous and I wasn't. I just, I felt very much like, like welcome to my house. And that feels like a very unique thing to be able to create, you know, just sort of oh. say, 
you're you're in my home we built these walls and like you're good here and that's as a performer a really different experience it's really fun that's amazing i, I want to ask you this later on the talk but since we're on the top it'd be good to bring it up now was it always obvious to you that within the conception of this you would be performing because for people listening who might be unfamiliar there's so much going on before you even hit the stage yes yes i always knew that and i always knew that i wouldn't be a part of the beginning and i always knew that it would culminate in a concert that would be me. Uh, we in the beginning we tried to find ways to integrate me into the first part of it. Yeah. But it just doesn't feel like the correct way to do stuff. Like you, I didn't feel like inserting myself in the first hour of the show. It, it felt um, I don't know what the word would be like vapid. I didn't yeah. need to be there. Like maybe conflicting with what the show's right, about. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like if, if you were just going to cast the show and I, it wasn't my show, you wouldn't do that, right? You would have all these characters and then you would introduce this like new character if that's yeah. how you were thinking of it. So I, I felt like just because I wanted to be in it, basically, I couldn't just put myself in it. That wasn't what it was like. That wasn't what was best for the audience. So you have to think about that rather than you know what's good for you yeah totally um there definitely is going to be an intro to this but even with <laughs> that i would love for you to describe light and space in your sure. own words because prior to us recording we we're talking about like how it's quite a difficult thing to put into words yeah. but since you're the creative director the artist it's your baby <laughs> yes it sell is. it like what is light and space um about? light and space is an immersive live music party uh which is how we have coined the phrase it's equal parts immersive theater a concert and a party. So the whole the whole concept of the show is that there's these galactic aliens, outer space creatures that have come down to throw this really fabulous party, this disco. And inside of that, the characters are inside of the audience as the party's going on and there's all of these different things that happen. Some moments happen on a really personal level where it's just an audience member and an actor and then some moments are on a grander level which are you know performances that happen throughout this night um, in unison you know there's it's sort of a three-ring circus uh, but the idea that we wanted was that the audience gets to just attend a party and they kind of they kind of bump into the theater as they're going through their evening rather than feeling like they're in a theater show where they're they're being kind of escorted or told where to go we created it so that the audience can be wherever they want as you would in a, in a party and that randomly at any given time theater is happening around you so you should really you should be able to go to every show and never have the same experience twice and then the whole thing culminates in a concert so it's this sort of dj set that that runs right into a concert which is my show and the theater and the, the whole thing that runs through it still happens through my entire show and then we partner with djs every single show different dj and that my show flows right into a DJ set and then the whole thing is just a big rave after that. So oh. it's kind of th these different variations of performance and party that happen throughout the night. Yeah, and it's such an obvious question, but um, I mean, you've toured loads over the years and you still tour quite a bit, mm -hmm. but I'm so, I don't think I had the chance to ask you this even last year, but what was it that made you want to do something like this rather than just do another tour? Like, uh, I had been touring a lot and I'm from New York. And I had been living in the UK at this point. Uh, and some people that I knew in New York were in a lot of shows. So that I, I grew up in the theater world. My All my friends are, a lot of my friends are actors or choreographers or set designers. And I 
was just seeing their shows. You know, I would be home for two weeks or a week and someone would say, oh, I'm in this thing, you gotta come see it. And it was always sort of more avant-garde, it was more, you know, downtown theater world. So I was seeing immersive theater happening. Obviously there's the, there's the big ones that people have really started to know, which is Sleep No More. Uh, and um, there's another show in Brooklyn called Then She Fell, which is really unbelievable. If you haven't seen it, it is worth the ticket. Um, and these kind of shows that were happening that are real true immersive theater based off of texts that are running shows and I had, I had been seeing stuff like that and thought okay there's a space for this in music and I had been touring and I had been feeling like that anyway I think and I started to go to these there were these just a few different house parties that I had been to in, in London in East London at the time and because a lot of my friends are musicians instead of having a DJ they would just have their friends jam and play yeah and so I was going to these house parties in London where people were dancing and we were in like teeny little places. I mean, the drum kit sounded horrible and it, yeah. didn't, it didn't matter because everyone was having fun and everybody was dancing because there's so much energy to dancing with live music rather than a DJ set, yeah. which I love Which I love electronic and, and dance music and DJ music, but I thought that was a really interesting element that felt very old school, 70s, 80s, you know, discotheque vibes. Yeah. Um, so I think it was the combination of me sort of going back and forth and having both of these things happen at the same time and feeling like touring was a bit stale. Like I couldn't ask another person to go to another gig and stay on there and, you know, buy a drink and wait for us to play. And I was like, I just, it's just, I've been really fortunate to tour. I've been really fortunate to open for some really great people and play full rooms. And I just thought I want to make something that's sort of taps me out of that. I want to make something yeah. that gives people an entire experience. Because yeah. I just felt like I was going to, every once in a while I was going to a party or something and thought, oh my god, I haven't had fun like that in so long. And I felt like a, a pure concert experience can be that, but yeah. there's not a home for people to go to. There's not a party that people have where they go to one place all night yeah. and they just have fun all night long. So that was sort of where the whole thing came out of. It's an interesting contrast, I think, to reconcile because, I mean, we're fortunate that we get to like tour around and be around venues and live music all the time. And I think it might confuse some people listening, but after a while, it does get weirdly homogenous in just the functionality of it. So yeah. I kind of get what you mean of going to these house parties and seeing like that stark con contrast. Yeah, I mean, it was just fun. It was just a bunch of musicians and friends and... Um, it was just really fun and and I was like this is a it's a party and I feel like that's been my that was always my main goal with light and space everything was how do we create something where the audience knows that there's a show happening but doesn't feel like they have to stand and watch all the time that the show is happening around them and that the show itself encourages them to dance and that when the band starts playing how do you create an environment where the audience still feels like they want to dance and still feels like they're in a party and doesn't feel like, oh, I need to stand and watch now. Uh, so that's always something, everything, every decision that we make is that question is like filtered through it. If it doesn't get that test, then you can't do it. What blows my mind away about that is because like, I did notice that to the one that I went like a couple weeks back and what's interesting to me is like when you went on stage, like as you came about, like as you come up, people are looking at you and every eyes are on you. But then when you go to the stage and you're dancing, after a while, people aren't looking at you anymore, looking at everything else. And like, 
I think it's almost borderline rare to hear someone <laughs> want that. They want that, yeah. <laughs> especially yeah. a musician. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that what's it, what's cool about it is that there's no, they're not. Um, you've been to everyone's been to gigs where someone's singing and everybody's talking. Yeah, and that's the worst. It is absolutely. So there's a difference because nobody's talking. Everybody's paying attention to the performance. It's just that the performance isn't only me on the stage. And we have moments in the show where we do want everybody to look. And we make sure that when that's the case, you've done everything in your power to, to sort of say, okay, your focus goes here. Yeah. And you can tell when that happens. We have certain situations where like everything, everything else goes quiet and this is where we're asking you to look. And then there's certain times where we're saying, no, this is happening here, this is happening there. You look where, look where you want. Um, but the crowd, it's, it blows my mind every time that the crowd is so responsive. And, and when the crowd, I mean, obviously I know my intentions with the show, I, every moment has its own beat and how we want it to go. And it really blows my mind how people do receive that and you've, so often I think people don't give audiences the credit that they deserve and that you just have to you just have to create a guide and like see what the audience takes from it. Yeah. And so I always feel like I always that always makes me feel like the show is successful when the audience kind of ebbs and flows the way we thought they would. Cuz I think that's a big thing when you make a show like this is to kind of check in and say Okay, we wanted it to go like this. How did, did the audience do that? Did they get that? Because you have a ton of ideas, and sometimes they land, and sometimes they don't. No, that's very true. Um, this is gonna be the most obvious thing in the world, but I'm uh, not typically a club person, like personally. <laughs> but going to light in space reminded me that there's fun to be had within that environment, and not just the matter of access and drinking and all that type of stuff, but just the aspect of being present. I think what's really funny about a place like New York and London, LA, is that when you live in these cities. You find yourself, you find it increasingly difficult to be present, mm -hmm. and I feel like what's so incredible about light and space is that it really forces you to do that. Thank you. Um, I know this is a bit heady, but did part of you want to like um, present a club experience that might appeal to people who might not be the types to go to clubs typically? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's not heady at all. That was my intention with the show entirely. Uh, I'm not a club person which is really really funny my brother actually, that is hilarious actually. my brother says this to me all the time he's like you are the least like rock starry person to be like doing this he's like i can't understand i'm like in bed at 10 like with like some tea um which is i shouldn't probably that, but, i mean that's not i do listen i go out a lot but um i i was not I definitely partied when I was young, younger. Um, I partied, you know, but I, I'm not like a, I wasn't a rave kid in the way that like, I was out every night and like I was in that culture and it like made me say, I want to do this. It was that like, I feel like I was fortunate. I grew up in New York and I, and I went to a lot of different things. So like I was, I was like at a warehouse party on one night and like I had friends do making the warehouse party and then I was in, I was the next day I was like at straight up at like a theater show and a friend of mine was like set designing that and then you know another day I was at a concert because another person I knew was playing so I, I was, I've been really lucky to naturally kind of be able to be a part of a few different things in New York and then again in London and I, I just felt like club culture over time has really been taken away from people and it became really exclusive yeah. and uh, especially when I was younger it became bottle service and uh, so expensive and weird it was weird yeah. and people stopped doing it because it's 
it's like you just are trying to go dance <laughs> like yeah. that's it right and so there were all these alternatives that have like popped up i remember like beauty bar on 14th street was like a huge thing for a while i loved yeah. beauty bar because i they, love beauty they, bar. right of course because they played like 60s hits and yeah. you just like went and got a beer and danced and you know i think house of yes has really brought that back for people um, it's become it's become somewhere that people can go that doesn't feel um, closed or uppity or anything like that, and that's a testament to Anya and Kay who started House of Yes and that whole group of people over there are those people. They're unbelievable. So I think that that's why that venue has become what it is because people need, it needed it. The New York needed it. Yeah. I mean, LA doesn't have it either. Um, LA's whole like vibe of of partying and and like their culture world is like a totally different thing. Um, but London has really been struggling with it too. I mean, Fabric, which is a huge club in London, yeah. um, closed and reopened, but people had to fight for that to reopen. So there's this like there's this weird thing happening now in the age of like everything being online and like like what is like a physical in-person experience anymore what does somebody want and why is that worth it to go spend twenty dollars like what are you people are way more hesitant now with their time yeah. so you have to the way i see it is if someone's going to choose to spend their thursday night with us or friday night with us i want it to be something where they feel nothing but good about themselves about the experience and so i just wanted to make a party that was very inclusive and really encouraged people to like just feel really great about themselves, which sounds so like layman's and like <laughs> sounds so like I don't know what the word is, but I it's it's easier said than done. It's it's a hard thing to make people just feel good about who they are because yeah. that's such a broad thing. But for us, we weren't trying to say like you know be free love yourself all that we just wanted to create an environment that like allowed someone to just take it in however they felt yeah. that we weren't trying to say be one way be another way and that's a really big ethos for us we don't do vip tickets we don't do vip sections um it, it was important to me from the get-go that yeah. was a very long-winded answer but no i loved it you pretty much answer. encapsulated everything that i wanted to know in that regard you know yeah. i remember doing rehearsals the music that you played and danced to was so clearly um considered and everything felt so deliberate, but not in a bad way. It just felt like the way the music flowed was very thought mm -hmm. out. Uh, particularly the music that plays before you perform. I noticed that being a big thing. Yeah. I found that very interesting. It led me to wonder, what's the role that music within the experience itself? Like, how did you decide upon that? Yeah, so that is and was and is very carefully considered. Um, that sort of opening DJ set uh, was created by a guy called Seth Kirby who is the production designer also for House of Yes. I mean, not House of Yes, for Light and Space. Yeah. Um, and he was one of the first people that I brought the idea to Light and Space to. He's really been just just such a like, I don't even know what the word is. He's been this like incubator for me and he and I have, have really developed the show together. So he also DJs. And as like everybody does, right? You're a production designer and a DJ and I'm a singer and a, you know, immersive performer and everyone has a million titles. And, you know, we were looking to make the music and he was like, okay, I, I think I know how to do this. I feel, and he understood the show in a way that like, had I just gone to a different DJ or just to someone, you know, and said, hey, can you like make a set for me? Yeah. I don't think they would have understood it. And, you know, we were very clear. We want music that 
we knew we wanted a house vibe. We we wanted the show to build. We knew it had to build into a live show. You had to give the audience a time to come in and warm up. And you have to take the audience on a journey and you have to know what you're doing with that. Uh, and if you're not considered with it, the audience does feel that. They don't know. If you do it well, they should never know. Yeah. But yeah, you, you have to sort of say, what do we want everybody to feel? That's a question we ask ourselves a lot. Okay, what are we trying to do here? What do we want people to feel in this moment? Mm -hmm. if, we had our, if we had it our way, you know, how, could, how, would this, how would they experience this? Or what are the kinds of like, um, it's not, and it's not always like, we want them to feel happy, sad. Sometimes it's like, you want them to feel like slippery or velvety, you know, there's all sorts of weird yeah. words that you can put in, but it, it immediately means something to people. So we're always trying to create, um, in a way, I know it sounds sort of funny to say, but I'm always trying to make something feel tangible out of intangible things, yeah. light and space and sound. Uh, so that, yeah, that DJ set was created and then the band set uh, was created by, or I worked with my band musical director, his name is Steve Durham. Uh, and he and I worked on making that show, that was also really specific, the way we made that how we didn't want it to just be a normal band set, how we wanted it to feel like there were musical breaks and places for people to dance and not pay attention and then pay attention again. And yeah. which I feel like gives people a chance to feel like, oh, this is like to dance, this is, we're dancing now because the band is jamming, which came from me being at those parties and the band jamming and no yeah. one necessarily singing and feeling like you could dance. And then he starts to sing again and you're like, oh, I love this, I want to pay attention. Yeah. So, you know, everyone really worked together to kind of give it a through line. Yeah, well, tell me this, for you, personally, like, as a performer, like, I mean, I just imagine, obviously, it feels so much different performing a light and space show than it has, like, your previous headline supporting shows. Mm -hmm. What's that difference like, like, personally, internally for you? Well, once I had done, I, I was really fortunate to sort of do my first headline show before we had ever done a light and space, so I felt like, as a musician, that was a cool box to tick. I had put out an EP, we did a headline show last year, um, we sold it out, so it was cool to feel like okay, this is my show, and people came. Uh, and n after I did Light in Space, I was like, oh no, Like, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna just do my regular show? And there was a learning curve where I felt like I had done the first Light in Space. We went back to do some of the regular show, and I was like, this is too, we needed to like find a middle ground. We have to bring some of what Light in Space is into the regular show. And I feel like we've actually just done that. I just played um, a show for communion music and I felt like actually that was the first show that we did where it was like this feels like the same it feels like different versions of the same live experience yeah. it'll never be a party because you're doing a set but mm -hmm. like conceptually and energy wise it should feel like I'm looking at the same artist yeah. so if someone saw me play just a headline show or a support slot and then went to light and space they would be like cool she's the same so I think that that was the difference do you want that though do you want people to feel like it's like you're the same in a sense yeah, I, I want people to know that as an artist, this is who I am, and that they're always going to get me as an artist, but that as, as a performer and as an artist, I like to create different experiences for people. So yeah. if we wanted to do, if someone came to Light and Space and loved it and then heard that we were doing like a paired back acoustic set private show somewhere, that they would want to go because they have hopefully bought into the the concept of me as Ariana and the Rose on the whole. Yeah. That's sort of what you hope for, is that someone says, wow, I think this person does this really interesting thing. I would be interested to see what they're doing. How do they approach this? Yeah. Uh, 
because ultimately the world of Light and Space is an extension of Ariane and the Rose. All the galactic themes, the visuals. I mean, if you look at the music videos and then look at Light and Space, it's all the same through line because it's just my brain. Yeah. Where'd the glitter come from? <laughs> you know, I like really don't know where the glitter came from. I you, the first time I put glitter on my face, I don't even remember. And it's actually a joke. I went to dinner with some friends last night and... Uh, it was a friend I hadn't seen in a long time, and I don't know her boyfriend very well, but he yeah. came to dinner, and he'd come to a couple shows, and he was like, this is the first time I think I've ever seen you without glitter on your face. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, it's and it's like getting worse. We just do more and more of it, but. Yeah, like when I saw you last, you were like, covered. like covered. Oh, yeah. It's, totally. it's like gotten really it crazy. Oh, so, nah, you know what? It doesn't take as long as you think. <laughs> I, I am... Um, you know, we're, I'm not the first person to, like, you know, <laughs> use glitter. I mean, God, early Kesha was, like, glitter everywhere. It was used in a different way, for sure, but yeah. glitter nonetheless. I don't, you know what? I really don't know. I think I had been touring and felt like, oh, I just want something that feels, like, magical or yeah. something that heightens everything. Mm -hmm. And glitter just feels like it does that. <laughs> it just is such a joyful feeling. Like, who has glitter on their face and feels upset? That's true. You know, That's a very you good just point. feel a little bit like fairy dust sprinkled on you, and that always feels good, I think. And like, there's a there's people putting glitter on a patrons like faces like yes. before the doors open. Yes. And I remember the line for that particularly was it was longer than the bar line. People love the glitter bar. People love glitter. I'm telling you, everyone yeah. thinks I'm nuts, but they do. I mean, you don't like it. Listen, if you work with me, like ask any of the dancers in the show, yeah. they don't love glitter. But <laughs> they're over it. Um, you should have seen them when I told them that we were doing. A promo shoot yeah. for the promo shoot we did for Light and Space. We covered yeah. everybody in head to toe glitter. I saw I saw the the, the materials of that. Oh yeah, uh, it's nuts. So we like literally put Vaseline <laughs> on everyone and like glittered everyone up. And I uh, literally like I asked everyone, I'm like, we're gonna do this promo shoot. Are you guys available? Everyone's yes, 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 whatever. And I remember like a, like a week before, I was like, okay, so this is the concept. And literally all of their faces were like, why did we say it? <laughs> like they all looked terrified. They were like, I don't like the glitter. And I was like, I, guys, I'm really sorry. Like, this is what it is. I, and I said, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Yeah. You know, every, you can back out. But saying and no they, after that. Well, they were, already, they were already in the show. Exactly. So it wasn't like I wasn't going to say don't be in the show. Yeah, exactly. Um, good point, good point. But they all did. One person couldn't do it because he had a conflict, like sure. a scheduling conflict. But they all did it. They're such troopers. And and they, honestly, like, it did, it felt really magical. In the end, everyone, even some of I, the one dancer in particular, she was like, I hate glitter. She was like, I really, I like, as a concept, don't like glitter. <laughs> and I was like, girl, you're in the wrong show. But, um, but even at the end, she was like, no, you got me. I'm into it. Like, I think this, is, I think this is cool. Yeah. Uh, how did the idea of doing a trilogy this time come about? Uh, so we had done the original show at House of Yes in November, and it went really well, and we sold it out, and... Uh, everyone from House of Yes, a lot of the of the people who work at House of Yes had seen it, had come to it, and they were really supportive and lovely. And so they had, I knew in November when I did the first one that my goal was to do a residency. Mm -hmm. So I went into November saying, okay, if we do this correctly, we should be able to go do this. Mm -hmm. So afterwards, they offered, they said to us, you know, we'd really like you to come back and do this as a monthly. Um, which they don't usually do. House of Yes doesn't do a lot of external events yeah. repeatedly. They have like secret cinema and things like that that are really cool, but usually it's not so frequent. Yeah. Um, and I knew that we, to do the show just once a month, I think 
takes away, like if you were to just do it as a monthly party, I think that doesn't feel as exciting. So we knew we wanted it to be a cap and we sort of said, okay, let's do three months. That feels, that feels good. That feels like it, it has a you know, beginning, middle and end. And uh, we were calling it a residency. We weren't sure. And someone I work with was like, it's a trilogy. And I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, and so then once we sort of started calling it a trilogy, it, the whole idea of it took shape and the dates sort of worked out you know, we knew the June event was right before Pride, and I knew I wanted to do that as a pre-Pride event. And uh, a lot of stuff is about timing and where it falls and the social calendar. And yeah. but it's been it's been really cool to do it as a trilogy because I feel like it's given people a chance to discover the show and come again. Yeah. And it's given people a chance to discover the show who can't necessarily make a certain date and say, "But I'm coming to this one." So that's been really cool to see people come. Like, there were people in May that had been in April, and there were people that came to May that, you know, messaged me on Instagram or wherever, being like, I'm coming to June. Oh. Um, and that's been really cool to feel like the show becomes a home for people, which has been, been my goal the whole time. Yeah. And the only way to achieve that is to give it, is to give people a chance to come back. Yeah. I know it could be quite a loaded word, so I'm like, but is there like pressure, since you know that, is there any pressure in making sure that each event is different? Or does that uh, come to mind quite a bit? Yeah, of course. Um, I think I put pressure on myself to make the show better every time. Um, as people, some people I talk to on my team, I'm like, we have to change this, we have to do that. They're like, no, you don't. You need to calm down. <laughs> um, uh, we make small changes. We make small changes to the show itself. Mm -hmm. And we partner with different people all the time. The whole show is about collaboration. You know, we collaborate with different DJs. We collaborate with other performers. Um, we collaborate, we know our activations, it's a glitter bar, it's, you know, a DJ in the front room, a DJ in the second room. As the show grows, my goal is to, is to work with other musicians, other performers, performance artists. Uh, so for me, what will make each show different is every collaboration. So the first show was our show, it was sort of the beginning of the residency, we just sort of said, okay, this is what we're doing. Tommy Sunshine DJed, who's like a very legendary um, New York DJ. And then the second show, was we wanted it to feel more music-centric. We partnered with Communion Music, um, Lizzie from LPX, uh, and Ms. Mr. DJed. Um, we adjusted our virtual reality experience. The show itself was adjusted slightly. And then our third one is a Pride event, and we have some very cool special guests that I will not say yet. But um, and hopefully going to be integrating some like other performance aspects into that. So the show is built to stay the same but be flexible so that yeah. there's openings for people to come in and do things. And as we move and change cities especially, that's something that I I think is a strength to the show that we haven't even had a chance to sort of build yet. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more questions for you. Yeah. Like two big things I definitely want to ask. But one of them, you brought you, you brought up pride quite a bit. Mm -hmm. What's it mean to you knowing that you have an event coming so close to that? Like what, what's that mean for you personally? Well, I think that, you know, in general, the LGBTQI community has been a home for me. And they've taken me in as a performer, as an artist, and been so welcoming. I mean, I've spent a lot of time playing gay clubs across the United States, uh, in the UK, uh, I've played Prides, um, and I, as an artist and as a performer, to have people who don't know you and and just like your music say, yeah, come perform, we love you, this is great, this is for us, uh, to be able to create an event that can celebrate that community and say, hey, you know what, you guys have been good to me and this is, 
I mean, and of course, because that's my family, you know, those are my friends, those are my people. Um, I feel like it would be, it would be weird of me to have an event so close to Pride and not celebrate Pride. I think that that's, that's, you know, the point of the, of the show is to say we've created a home for everybody and this month this is who we happen to be celebrating. Um, so yeah, I think that, that I've been so influenced by so many artists in that community and I just want to sort of say, hey, thank you. And you know, this, so much of the show and the creativity in the show has been influenced by you and what you do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And um, you brought up how you want to like move it to different cities. Imagine uh, Lon like LA and London are the obvious choices. Yes. What's it like knowing that that's on the horizon? Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not sure. Ask me in a couple months. <laughs> um, yeah, we have plans to move it to LA in the fall. So it's not totally confirmed yet, but we're working on that. Uh, you know, it's it's cool. It's cool to put it somewhere else and see how that goes. The show is, it was really important to me to grow the show out of Brooklyn and for the show to start there. And Brooklyn will always be the home for Light and Space. Uh, we'll definitely go back to Brooklyn again before the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and it will always be sort of our home base as we grow, hopefully. Uh, but I think, you know, cities like LA and San Francisco and there's other cities that I'm so interested to see how the show plays out and everything's an experiment so you kind of have to go into it as as we've learned doing it you know it's the show is is part concert and then part it's like a whole like a whole promoters world of like you know concert promotion club promotion club world so it's been such a um a learning curve for us and i think that it'll be really cool to see how people react to it yeah, and uh, one of the big things, before I let you go, one of the big things about Light and Space that I loved is that clearly each experience feels different. For you as the header and like the performer, you know, the mastermind, yeah. what is it, I mean, does each one feel different to you? And if so, what is it, do you think makes that possible? Yeah, yeah, every, everyone, feels di everyone feels different to me and that's, for me, always based on the audience. Uh, the, the energy of the crowd is different every time people are coming in. It's a different day. There's different things going on in the world, whatever. I mean, down to like, it rained today and everybody's in a different mood. Um, but yeah, I felt like, especially from, from between the first show to the last show we just did in May, everybody on our team after the last one in May was like, wow, that felt really different. This crowd felt like, People came because they had heard of Light and Space and said, I want to go to that. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe in the beginning people were coming because they heard about a weird show and they love House of Yes and, you know, they want to come. And so to have people show up and be like, oh my God, I heard about this. My friend came the last time I had to check it out. That feels really good to feel like, wow, you know, you know, it seems like maybe we could really be growing something. Yeah, that's great. Dude, thanks for finding the time to chat. Thanks so for chatting with here. me. I appreciate yeah. it. And uh, if, you're, if you're listening to this and you're unfamiliar with Light and Space, go check it out because you will love it. Yeah, go. Come say hi. <laughs> <laughs>